0: Please pray with me, Lord God, thank you for the gift and blessing of this day, for your holy and life-giving presence, Lord. Thank you for being here, Lord, thank you that we don't just come to this building and find it empty, Lord, but find your presence here, infusing and filling us, Lord, and transforming the ordinary into extraordinary. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us today. Speak into our burdened hearts, Lord, speak into our confused spirits, speak into our jumbled minds, Lord, and reveal your hope and your love and your grace and your truth in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord God, give me your words and your voice to speak today, to preach your goodness, and give us all hearts to hear you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It is great to see you all today. Well, uh, one of the warnings we got in basic training, which I went through like 19 years ago, was, well, we got lots of warnings, right? One of the warnings was during this uh, thing we call land navigation. Land navigation is how you move through the woods or hills or desert or swamp or whatever you're moving through with a compass and a map, right? And during land navigation, you're trying to get from a place that you know to a place you've identified on the map, but probably have never seen along a path you've probably never gone on before, right? How do you get from here to there with just a map and a compass? How do you do it? And that's land navigation. And you could do it during the day, and you could do it during the night. And it was a pretty remarkable thing to be able to, to move through the woods that you had never been in before and to get to your destination largely unscathed. It was a pretty remarkable thing. But one of uh, the things, or the thing you depended upon the most, actually, was a compass. A compass, right? And a compass is incredibly helpful as long as it's accurate, isn't it? Now, there's a few things that can sabotage the accuracy of your compass. And this is what the drill instructors were warning us about. They were warning us about uh, ways that you could screw up the use of your compass. One was if you, kept, if you didn't put your compass completely flat or hold it flat. Because if you tilted it a little bit, the compass, the needle would kind of float on this pillow of liquid. And if it was tilted, the needle would bind. And it would give you a reading that was false. It wouldn't spin appropriately. And so you could be going along your merry way, think you're heading towards your objective, when in fact you're heading to your not objective, right? The other one, and the more insidious one, was that you can be holding your compass completely flat and true, but if you have something magnetic close by, your compass gives a false reading. Right, so any kind of metal, any kind of ferrous metal. Which, as a soldier, do you think you ever had any ferrous metal anywhere near you? Yeah, the barrel of your rifle, or if you had a, um, if you had a, a walkie-talkie or any type of communication system, they have magnets in them, in the receiver or in the transmitter part, receiver part, that will throw off a reading from your compass. And so you could be walking along on your merry way, thinking your compass was giving you an accurate direction. And be totally off. And that was a little scary, right? So you always had to be checking and have other people checking you to make sure your compass was giving you the true bearing. Now, today we celebrate the end of the season after Pentecost A season where we read about how the Holy Spirit had come come at the day of Pentecost and alighted upon the apostles and then spread out through the whole church. And we are now at the day of Christ the King Sunday. This is a relatively new feast day. It started in the 1920s. Uh, Pope Pius XI was the one who started it for the Catholics. And then it spread out through the other denominations as well. Uh, But I do like, it's It's called by almost every church, it's called Christ the King Sunday. Uh, But the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Sweden, they call this Sunday Doom Sunday which I think is a much cooler name. And it's definitely very welcoming for visitors, right? Come to my church for Doom Sunday. right? We'll be having a great coffee hour. Everything will be roasted. Uh, but it makes perfect sense in my mind that Christ the King would be the final Sunday before we launch into the season of Advent. right? Because we remember that the Holy Spirit came... To proclaim the reign of God. The Spirit came to bear testimony to the truth of God. And what better truth to bear testimony to than that Jesus Christ is the King. He is the King. The Lord, the author of life, the ruler of all. And we will be launching uh, next week into the season of Advent where we remember Jesus's first coming at Christmas and we look forward to his second coming in glory to judge the living and the dead. And so Christ the King sits here as this hinge day between these two periods of time. One, the era of the spirit and the other, the coming of Jesus Now this day, this Christ the King day, is a day to remember that Jesus Christ is indeed the King. It is he who is in charge of our lives, our church, our nation, the world, and the universe. Christ the King is a day to reorient ourselves to this reality. All of the lessons for today deal with the kingship of God to some degree or another. But the one from the book of Revelation drew me to it this week because of the important themes that are presented in it. First of all, the theme of the permanence of God is writ large across this passage from Revelation. We see this in many ways. It begins with the greeting, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. God of the present, God of the past, and God of the future, all one. And to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. To God belongs glory and dominion For all time, because there never was a time without God and there never will be. And then the passage says, I am the alpha and the omega. This is the the beginning and the end of the Greek alphabet. It doesn't work as well to translate it. I am the A to Z. Right, because that's a hardware store. That's supposed to be funny. Come on. Really, that's the best I can do today. Okay. I am the A to Z, right? Oh, there you go. Thank you very much, Ron. <laughs> the one who is and who was and who is to come. Jesus wants us to know that he was and is and is to come. There will never be a moment that passes in this world or in our lives where God is not there. He is there. Now, this theme is This theme of the eternal nature of God or the permanence of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, informs our understanding of Christ the King. Because kings in our world, they're temporary things, aren't they? Right? I mean, we we get to watch all these royal babies being born in England. But we know the way this goes, right? Even if one of them ascends to the throne, what will happen one day? They'll die. Unfortunately, that's the way of things in this world. Except for Queen Elizabeth, who seems to go on and on and on, right? The rest of them come and go. They are born, they rise to power, and then they die. And that is how this works in this world. But with God, he is forever. He is forever as our king. There has never been a time without him, and there never will be. The promise of this passage, and indeed the entirety of the scriptures, is that Jesus was and is and is to come. He was there before creation, and he will be there after judgment. He is the beginning and the end, and we will never be without him. Now, this is an important point, because as we've seen throughout history and in our own times, who is in charge affects us. The person in charge affects us. At the very least, policies change under different leaders, and those have some effect on our lives, either great or small. In the extreme, though, say your leader happens to be Pol Pot or Stalin. Right. What can happen? Death, Death, right? Death. Or you can lose everything or your or for some other leaders, they, you know, they run their nation into the ground. It destroys it. Right? Who's in charge matters a lot. And as an eternal leader, his policies will endure forever, and our lives are secure under his rule. But this is only good news if he is a good king, right? If you've got an eternal bad king, is that good? Not at all. That is not good news. No one wants to live eternally under a despot, which makes the second theme so important. And that is the, the character of our king, the righteousness and the grace of Jesus Christ. He is called the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and who made us to be a kingdom priest serving his God and father. Every ruler or leader brings with them certain benefits and character traits when they take office. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, brings with him the trait of being a faithful witness. That means that what he observes and what he knows, he faithfully passes that information on so that we can receive it and we can know it is trustworthy. In addition, he is the firstborn of the dead, which means that Jesus Christ is a sign or a sacrament of the resurrection, which is promised to all of us. Because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, you and I can trust that we will be as well. Like when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin stepped on the moon, it signified that we could as well. Because it had been done before. It was possible. In the same way, and even to a greater degree, Jesus rising from the dead shows us that what we had thought was impossible is truly within grasp. If only we will trust in him. This resurrection is promised to us because Jesus Christ loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood. The resurrection is grounded. God's reign is grounded in his grace. He didn't come to be a king like the kings of this earth, expecting a grand coronation Indeed, the coronation of Jesus Christ, what kind of crown did we put upon him? Crown of thorns. Jesus did not go the route of glory, but the route of suffering and pain so that you and I could receive the glory of God. And the result of his death and resurrection is he has made us to be a kingdom. Priests serving his God and father. Now, the challenge is, is that the kingship of Jesus Christ requires something of us, right? If you and I have been made priests, what does that mean? Well, we got to act like priests, huh? Right. Don't act like me, but choose a really good priest. (laughs) Choose Jesus and act like him because he is the great high priest. Right? He is our true king. And if he truly is king. His kingship requires something of us. And his kingship is different than, say, the kingship of Henry VIII, right? Well, for many reasons. But for one, every earthly king is limited. Right? They only know what they're told or what they observe with their eyes. But how much does Jesus know? Everything. So that means when do we have to be when do we have to behave if Jesus is king? What? All the time? All the time. Because he knows. He is watching. And he understands us. He knows what's in our hearts. What's in our minds. He know our thoughts. He knows our thoughts before they're even apparent to us. And so it matters. How we live. How we think. How we speak. How we act. It matters that we conduct our business with honor and integrity. That we care for the poor, the weak, the needy. And the lonely. That we think and speak in a way that is fitting with Jesus being our King. Because every part of us belongs to Jesus Christ. He is our King and Lord. And so we should live like it. Jesus Christ is the King. He is and He was and He is to come. His reign changes the world. Because it orients the world according to the plan of God, which is for our salvation. But like that advice from basic training, our individual compasses can sometimes get off course if we let other things crowd too close to them. The temptations of this world can crowd in on that needle and give us false readings. And we can start to think we're going the right way. And truly not be. Today, we are given the opportunity to reorient our compass. To allow God to reorganize our lives according to His purposes. Because if Christ is the King, He must reign in our hearts. He must reign in our minds. He must reign in our wills. He must reign in our bodies. And he must reign in our souls. This is his day. And we are his people. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for being the king. Lord God, we confess to you that so often we make ourselves the king. Or make other things, other desires, other goals the king. Lord, reorient our hearts today. Please Please reset our compasses so that they do point to true north and that they do lead us to you. Lord God, it's so easy, so easy to get off course. And Lord, we pray that you would put us back, put us back on your path and help us to walk faithfully as we follow you. Thank you, Lord, for being the God of grace and mercy, for being faithful when we fell short for showing us what it means to lead by sacrificing for us. Help us, Lord God, to live in sacrifice, to, lead, to live in mercy and grace with one another. And we pray, Lord God, that you would draw us more and more to your side, into your holy and life-giving presence, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.